I say this at the risk of sounding like the bourgeoisie. Back home, we used to have like all the packets. And that was back in the day, like early 2000s, where not a lot of people used, used to have satellite TV. People will never know what my tech stack is. We can do the, we can do the, the poverty test here. <laughs> okay. Uh, I should know. I should know about that. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna fail it. You're probably okay. middle class. See, now I'm curious about the poverty test. Uh, the poverty test is is mostly just. You know, I'm gonna ask you questions about how I lived my life, and and okay. see how that compares. But I also, but also at the risk of finding out that we probably experience a lot, a lot of the same things, and I can't categorically categorically say that I was that my family was middle class I don't think I was I didn't think my family was middle class but I don't know if we were we definitely weren't the poorest in my neighborhood that's for sure mm-hmm. um, but there are definitely family uh, families in my neighborhood they that looked super wealthy to me that today I just I realized that they were only simply middle class so maybe I was very poor mm. and I didn't know. Uh, <laughs> 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 no, but it's like, so, so yeah, I guess, it's, I guess the weird, test is yeah. like, um, mm. one of the first questions would be how mm. often did you, how often did you watch public television by choice? Oh, by choice. Mm. Um, well, often, but I was a kid. I only cared about the morning cartoons. Okay. Although, let me let me let me add one more thing. When I was a little bit older, I would also watch. Well, by forced choice, okay. in the sense that there's two TVs, one that is connected to the you know satellite TV, okay. or satellite a signal. Mm-hmm. And my mom would be watching her stuff, and I couldn't do anything about it, so I would just go to the other room, turn on the other TV, and watch stuff on the on the antenna channels. Okay, okay, so that's that's yeah. one more TV uh, TV set that I had <laughs> in my house. Uh, so you failed that one. <laughs> yeah, crazy. Yeah, like I said, I'm gonna fail that. But go ahead. Uh, okay. How often was public television the only option for the entire family to watch? Rarely. So we all know how oh, you got you getting scored on that one. Yeah. How how often did your friends or neighbors come to your house to watch TV? Rarely. Rarely? Because? Like, rarely, because probably my neighbors had their own things to watch. So you lived in a wealthy neighborhood. So, see, so you see? <laughs> see how- you can't say that. <laughs> I, I, I literally lived in the ghetto. <laughs> literally, like, I lived in one of the worst neighborhoods. Um, well... I, I know, I know, I know where you lived. Yeah, I think I used to. Used but I, I lived in the buildings, though, which is weird. Um, which is still better than than the neighborhood I lived in. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 
I, I, I lived in a neighborhood. I remember this one time. So this is how bad my neighborhood was. I didn't know that. Mm. Uh, of course, you know, <laughs> uh, ignorance is bliss. Uh, I remember oh, yeah. this one time I opened the door to a guy who was, you know, lived wherever he lived. And he was asking me for instructions and directions about something. And I remember mm-hmm. talking to him and he said, were you born here? And I told him that I was, <laughs> and he and he and he acted so surprised. So far, this has been the, the the most impressive moment that I've had with someone in my own house, where he couldn't believe that I lived there, because he said, <laughs> because I mean, I, I you know I, I was from I I lived in, in that neighborhood, but I you know I went to school somewhere else, uh, and mm-hmm. and so in his mind, I couldn't possibly be a product of that neighborhood. That's how bad he thought of my neighborhood. That offended me, but also gave me a, <laughs> gave me a little bit of hope. <laughs> so that's how bad it was. Uh, people couldn't fathom that's, that's, that's that, you know. But I had a similar experience. I was at school and people were like, oh, where do you live? And I was like, oh, I live in this place. They're like, huh. From what I heard... In that place, people either become robbers or party a lot. Mm. And I did none of those mm. things. So I was like, uh, I hope they don't think I'm a robber. <laughs> <laughs> but basically they were saying you don't fit you don't fit the mold. Yeah. And I mean, I come to realize later that there was no mode to begin yeah. with. It was weird, but mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, yeah. Go on with the test, Leo. I'm curious about the other questions. Okay. How? Okay. This is this is um. Okay. This 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 test is is very faulty, as you as you have probably. Uh, it's been it's able fine. To assess it's, it's interesting, nonetheless. <laughs> yeah, because some questions I know that because of just the reality of of Angola. We have mm-hmm. a lot of things in common, uh, like a lot of a lot of mm-hmm. our social experiences uh, are shared, regardless of your social status. So, I, so I'm aware <laughs> of that. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. But let me let me let me ask. Um, wh- okay, when when did you when did you first have access to internet? Oh man, I don't remember. Was it 2000s? Let me let me let me rephrase 1990s? It was much, much later. No, much, much later. I mean, wait, wait, wait. So there, there, there's a thing with internet. Mm-hmm. You mean our own internet? Um, y- yes, let's start there. Okay. Probably 2010. 2010, okay. So that was, that was a little later than, 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 most people than my experience. Yeah, because I know from your experience, you had it really, really early. It wasn't too early. Earlier than the average. No, no. no. I had my access was in 2000 and let me do a quick math here uh, to know how old I was. Because I, I always forget how old I am. <laughs> I have to do. Uh, okay, how old is my brother? Uh, <laughs> wait, when am I doing Okay, this is 2021. So 2021 minus what? Uh, I th- okay, I, I want to say 2008. So just two years before you. 
Um, okay. I but I'm I'm not I'm not positive. I, it's either two two thousand and eight or two thousand and seven. Not earlier than that, but not later either. So it has yeah, to be later, yeah. two thousand and seven like or around, yeah, yeah, like close to the end of the decade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably. Pretty close. Yeah, pretty close. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, and that was yeah, that was also hugely influenced by my my dad's business. Uh, he mm-hmm. was at the time he was starting a business, and he he needed to. to um, you know, to be connected and, you know, email and stuff like that. And so that's how, when we, yeah. we finally got portable internet, uh, like the, mm. you know, the modems and the stuff like that, the USB modems <laughs> that you connect mm. to your uh, laptop and stuff like that. And so that's, that's when we had yeah, yeah. access for the first time at home. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Cause for the longest time I didn't have access to internet. Well, not our own. I mean, we would hijack Wi-Fi so we're free. Oh, you had Wi-Fi? Um, no, I said we hijacked Wi-Fi. Dude, I didn't even from know some what neighbors. Wi-Fi was until 2010. I had no idea what Wi-Fi was. I, oh. I had no idea you could have internet over the air. I thought internet was something <laughs> that you need cables uh, to, hey, to man, carry the I used to think that too. I used to think that too. But then you, I found out that if you put your... Well, at the time we were, I don't know whose laptop it was. I don't know why there was a laptop at home, but there was a laptop at home. And if you put it at the right angle at the right time at <laughs> night, you could use someone else's internet. <laughs> Just go to the window and there'll be some free, unprotected, no password internet out there for the taking. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, oh, that's funny. And other than that, like for the most part, internet for me was where I went to download content to install on my local computer. Yep, I had no internet, so I was just watch like download a bunch of videos from elsewhere, like say school or something like that. If school had internet, mm-hmm. and they get back home, that was it. That was my life. I'm sure your virus experience wasn't a. Hey, man, I formatted my computer more times than I remember. <laughs> so that was that, too. Uh, I, I know that feeling. I, I remember when I, I think the last time I had my XP formatted, my well, mm-hmm. my dad's uh, laptop that was running XP, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. this neighbor of ours brought this Windows CD that he used for <laughs> all of his installations, right? You know, because... You know, you have one guy with one, like, I think there was one guy with one legitimate copy that made a and copy off of that. for every, for, for his friends that my neighbor mm-hmm. happened to be one of the, those friends. And my neighbor then used that, that copy to install windows on every, every, every one of our computers. Uh, uh, yeah. And I remember this one time. And the thing that I like about that. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. Th- th- this one time when, when we formatted it. Uh, after getting like you know infected by virus and stuff like that, um, mm-hmm. the one thing that never worked after the fact was uh, control panel. We were never able Ooh. to open control panel. If you clicked on it, it would just mm. uh, close your session and then restart. <laughs> and, Ooh, and that's that's it's, that's it's, that's bad. It stayed like that forever. <laughs> yeah. Oh, bye. Yeah. That that sucks. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> the, the thing is, I mean, uh, 
Back in the day, it was easy to just have Windows because as long as you have one key and not connect to the internet, you were fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what we did. We I mean, we didn't have any we didn't have internet to begin with, so yeah. I know um, I had an aunt, and she was working at a place where they gave her some Windows keys, like a bunch of keys. I don't know why, but they gave her. <laughs> and she was kind enough to give us one of the keys, and we just kept reusing that one <laughs> everywhere. Oh, Microsoft. Microsoft lost so much money in Africa. I mean, <laughs> uh, did they really? I mean, did they sell the keys? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> and that's the thing. I mean, they could have made more keys. Yeah, of course. But, I mean, they're still making a lot of money, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know I know the the store, the uh, one of the, what is it, kind of cornerstone stores uh, that we have. Uh, oh, uh, NCR. NCR. They, they would they they would have those uh, Windows activation keys, um, mm -hmm. or Windows installation CDs, and I remember mm -hmm. once reading uh, in one of those CDs that it said, "This product not to be sold outside of Africa." <laughs> so like we had specific keys or specific you know activation codes that were only valid for us. I guess just also the notion of our you know the reality of how. Uh, Sub-Saharan Africa works. Uh, Microsoft was very aware of that, and you know we had our. Although I feel like that was specifically for monitoring, because I don't see any other reason why software would work specifically for one place, other than them wanting to know which copies were sold where mm. or which copies were activated where. Could be, you know? yeah. Could be. Without having the location information being collected mm -hmm. automatically by the operating system. Yeah. And those things are were super expensive. I mean the, the Oh yeah, the, very the reason people gravi gravitated to Windows was because, you know, it was cheap. You know, you buy hardware, you buy really any hardware and then you just slap mm -hmm. Windows on top of it. And, and, yeah. and so you don't want, you know, I mean, and computers are expensive, especially when you're, you're talking about a country where the the uh, the average income is, is pretty low compared to like the rest of the I world. I mean, not just that. It's just mm -hmm. the fact that everything is imported. We don't make anything. We don't manufacture anything. So it's even more expensive. Yeah. yeah. So we end up paying like double whatever the standard price would be here. Exactly. The standard cost would be mm -hmm. here. Yeah. And I think I think that just makes it a lot harder for for you know for us i mean in 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 a in a country like that it, it's of course you know of course if you have a version of windows that you didn't pay for that's that's technically a, that is a crime and you you know that's piracy but it it, it was so much of the reality that it didn't feel like you were doing anything wrong yeah <laughs> yeah not just that i'm going to quote aladdin my favorite thing he ever said in that movie, the animated movie, of course. Mm -hmm. You're only in trouble if you get caught. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, that doesn't mean that I enforce, oh, commit crimes unless, you know, if you're not going to get caught. It's just that there was nobody anywhere to enforce this crime that we were committing. Yeah. And like, I know they talk about the same thing here with pirating movies, like, oh, 
the FBI warning about don't pirate, otherwise you're gonna take action. Then you you pirate it, and nobody comes to catch you. So it's like ah, oh, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. same thing. I mean, except that no the one, one time our 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 friend we who well, shall well, remain that, nameless. That, that, that. <laughs> he yeah, yeah yeah no but i mean like that was back in the day too before it was you know before streaming illegally was a thing no no or torrents were no that thing. happened here that happened in college no no i know i know no no what i'm talking about the fbi oh, thing that was gotcha, before gotcha. this yeah mm-hmm. yeah gotcha but yeah yeah but i understand the situation here was well it, it's 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 he was on a private network that is in part monitored by a state entity (laughs) (laughs) doing some shady business yeah and they caught on to that because they are always you know watching yeah that was he got caught that was scary i mean even though at the time i wasn't necessarily engaged in the same uh you know, no, and that's the thing though. I felt it could I be, the, no, but I, I know why you felt that way because it could have been either one of us. Yeah, he was just the first one to do it, and we all saw, oh crap, there's consequences this time. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just a free for all like it used to be. Yeah, how much did he have to pay? Was it 300 bucks? I don't remember. Yeah. I keep thinking of three hundred dollars. Um, maybe that's how much he paid, but I'm, I'm still not sure. I mean, I know they had to pay a fine and go to court, <laughs> and later take some classes on why you shouldn't download <laughs> illegally. Uh, <laughs> you know the whole shebang. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. You, you, he learned his lesson. Uh, oh yeah, we all did, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if he if he stopped doing. Uh, what he was uh, told to stop doing. No, 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 no. He, he learned the lesson. He learned the lesson. The lesson was not stop doing that. The lesson was don't do that doing, you know, on the, on the, on the public, on the private network. <laughs> you know? Do it elsewhere. <laughs> do it on like some AT&T Wi-Fi that's there like at, the, at a bus stop or something. Yeah, yeah. Go to, uh, go to Starbucks and, and, and do your, uh, yeah. Do your stuff. Do your legal stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and that's interesting that 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 happened. Yeah. Man, I, I I know this is the whole point of the podcast to go off topic. <laughs> I mean way off topic. I know, I know. I was gonna I was gonna bring yeah. it back um to to, to the to the, to the to quiz the, or to the scanning channels. No, to the question to the original question about your tech mm. stack. Your application stack in oh, your the, the original, original question. <laughs> 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 oh, yeah, my tech stack. So, yeah, I use Ubuntu 2000, and you were going to ask something else. How is your best bass playing going, anyways? Uh, it's, been, it's been stagnated. Mm. If anything, I got a little bit worse because I haven't been practicing as much lately. Okay. Just because I've been busy with life, and I figure I'll try to get this part of life out of the way. Mm-hmm. So that I can have more time to focus on other stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I'm in school right now and or grad school to be specific, and it's pretty demanding on time. So it's hard to set up some time to go and you know pursue music. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, especially when I don't know what I'm doing. So it's like that uh, initial anxiety with, oh, no, what am I going to do? Then I spend a lot of time doing things, but whatever. Yeah. Actually, that's, that's um, if you don't mind me asking, I mean, we're, mm-hmm. now, we're now going way off topic. Uh, I, that's fine. <laughs> what I was going to ask you about your tech stack. But before before you answer mm-hmm. that, how mm-hmm. how does how does your life in grad school compare to um, undergrad? Um, undergrad, I sometimes like to call it like I don't know. It was a bit of a joke to me, like. Oh man! Uh, again, at at the at the fear of sounding like oh I'm I'm like raising myself or whatever. It it wasn't as difficult for me as it was for most people, and I was just kind of coasting through it. And I mean, I, I I I put in work, I did put in some effort, but it wasn't that hard, so it felt like it was easy to me. And I already have an experience of you know. Being the guy, like the, the, the guy at school that, oh, things are easy for him and not for everybody. So I would always try to contain my excitement about it. Like, I liked school. It was fun for me. It wasn't painful. But I couldn't express that joy because everybody else was miserable. And I was like, man, I don't want to hurt their feelings or say anything that might make it seem like I'm trying to boast about myself. So I wouldn't say anything. I would just repress that. Or contain that and just be like, yeah. That was very kind of you. I appreciate that because I, I was definitely one of those <laughs> that I was struggling through uh, undergrad. So I appreciate yeah. you uh, containing your excitement. It made me feel a little bit better about myself. Yeah. And the thing is, it's not like, oh, you were a bad student or anything like that. No, it's the thing is, I was lucky enough to be studying something that was a right fit for me. And a lot of people don't have that benefit. I know in your case, it started off like that, right? Because I know that at some point you changed majors to computer science mm-hmm. and then it was better from there, right? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, it went from computer engineering to computer science. Before, mm-hmm. I was pretty confused, so I went from architecture to literature and then to computer mm-hmm. engineering and then to computer science, finally. Computer science was the, mm-hmm. was, the, was, the, the uh, was the place where I've actually felt... Um, that I was doing the right thing. It was the right call. Yeah. And that's the thing for me. It's been the right call from the beginning. So it's like, oh, cool, sweet. I like this. And I'm enjoying this. I'm having so much fun. But I have to contain myself because, plus, I felt like it was easier in some sense. Because I know I spent one year in college back in Angola. And that one year, they went pretty hardcore with teaching some things that here, at least, would be only thought like later, like sophomore year or something like that. So freshman year was a breeze. wasn't really too difficult. Sophomore year, that's when I started seeing things that I saw back home. With the addition of, you know, going to more detail and more depth, which I appreciate that. That was good. But I guess I had enough of a foundation that allowed me to stay afloat for the most part. I see. Yeah. I understand that perspective you you presented, but only from very far. 
the only time I've had that experience that you described was mm. in elementary school. Mm. <laughs> I think after elementary school, my overall experience of school has never been mm-hmm. um, that of finding things easy, except for that one uh, one subject that I always felt like, yeah, you know, this is super intuitive. Um, mm. So, so I do, I I do understand yeah, that perspective, um, but I also mm. do know that from my perspective, and I, that's that's the thing I want to ask you about. From my perspective, mm. when I left elementary school and I started seeing mm. concepts that I perhaps didn't really understand or I had to put a lot more effort in, I I didn't find I didn't think I was ready for the amount of work. Neither was I ready to challenge my thinking i didn't know how to challenge my thinking and my and train mm. myself to to be in a position now where things are not so intuitive uh for me and i, I struggled I, I think college for me was the biggest struggle uh in college for me was that putting myself in a position where even uh where i could learn to not rely so much on intuition but to to develop tools to actually learn mm. and just grasp it. Oh, I see. Um, so for I so see. for you, what has been uh, like after leaving, uh, after being done with you know undergrad, what has been your experience mm. with grad school? Like what what have you had to unlearn, and what have you had to learn to kind of cope with things not being so intuitive or so easy? I guess. I guess the main thing I had to do was. At least from my experience, just man, it's, it's it's this is a hard question for me to answer right now, because with grad school, it's been an experience where I haven't really sat down to think too much about it. But from the little I know, it's it's this: it's always going back to basics hmm. and using that as a foundation to go further. Okay, can you elaborate on that? Yeah, I'll try. And I have classes like... Mm, I guess this is mostly from my research experience. Like, I'm trying to tackle a problem and I, I'm unsure of how to go about it. And that's, for the most part, how it usually works. And what I have to do is just rely on the training that I had so far. And build upon that or maybe I'm rambling on a little bit here because what I'm trying to say is in grad school you need to be more proactive and be able to design more Mm. and be more creative with your thinking Mm. so whatever I said before scratch that I was thinking and that wasn't that wasn't (laughs) that wasn't it I see definitely being able to take that action to being able to become a designer and force yourself to think in new ways. Mm. That was the biggest challenge for me because undergrad, like I said, I just went through a breeze. I mean, I have no problem in following instructions and, and doing that. If anything, that's probably why I'm decent at school because it's easy for me to follow, understand some things, but whenever it comes to taking those rules and bending them in order to make something new. I think I have a little bit of, of, of a struggle with that. I see. I see. Yeah. So whenever I said, you know, 
focus on the basics is, yeah, use that as a platform to go further. I see. Hmm. That's very interesting because because I, I do I do remember going through college um, mm-hmm. and 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 before graduating, f- feeling like feeling very miserable about my my performance in, in certain courses. There were some courses that mm-hmm. later on I realized, I guess, you know, the more I actually worked on the concept uh, outside of class, the more I realized that mm-hmm. maybe, I, you know, maybe I, my grade could have been better. And I graduated with uh, with an average that to me, I felt embarrassing. I felt like I was a lot more capable of that, not just out of, you know, um, out of what's, what's not the, really shame, but I guess something like that. Yeah, but not out of pride and saying that, you know, I could do better. Um, and it wasn't just like me thinking in my head, wishful thinking, I guess that's the, that's the expression I was looking for. Yeah. It was, it oh, was yeah. me realizing that, no, actually I do know a lot more than I've been able to prove with my, with my degree, with my, uh, with my mm-hmm. grades. I'm sure great. Yeah. But then also realizing, for example, I remember going to my first interview, mm-hmm. my, uh, my internship uh, before I got yeah. the, the internship for the job mm-hmm. that I also have now. Um, mm-hmm. And I remember going for, for that internship and sitting and talking about software development practices and talking about you know, languages and things like that and realizing that I knew a lot of the stuff that was expected from me. Not that I was surprised, but at the same time, it felt so natural. Like that intuition that I was looking for had been there. Uh, I just didn't know it was there. Well, that's, that's the thing. It's not necessarily that it's it's been there. You built it. Because mm-hmm. that's the thing. Like, that's how I like to think about things when it comes to learning something new. It's you spend a lot of time learning the basics and learning the theories and experimenting with that to the point where you know so much that, well... It just becomes intuitive, mm-hmm. you know, like kind of like second nature or something. And it's to the point where you talk about it so confidently that it's like, okay, I can do more with this. Yeah. It's not just that I have information in my head that it's just there and I know it. I can actually use it to, you know, do other things yeah. and also challenge those ideas in different ways. Because yeah. once you know everything, well, not everything, but once you, once you know a lot, you you put yourself in a position where you can actually question it and see see it for, for what it really yeah. is or what it could be. Because yeah. sometimes you learn something in school and it's something that could have been done much, much better or more efficiently in a different way. Mm-hmm. And now you have the know-how, or at least you understand this way well enough to know where you can make a bend. Yeah. 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 That's, I, yeah. Now that's the same for art. Like, for instance, I know probably seen like a Picasso mm-hmm. work that it's you look and it's like, this is not anatomically correct. <laughs> this guy doesn't know how to draw. Then you realize, oh, man, if you go back to his older works, like the ones that are more, you know, um, I guess correct anatomically or at least resemble more of the real world. You realize this guy is a, he's he knows how to draw really well. It's him expressing his creativity, like, okay, here's a form. Let me bend the form and see and show you guys what I see or what I could see or I could be out of the standard form that we know as reality. Yeah. 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 
Same thing with any skill. Yeah. Learn the basics enough to bend it. Yeah, that's 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 something that I uh, I regret not not having known uh, in college. I think my uh, a lot of the desperation and frustration that I experienced would have eased a little bit. Uh, I still would would have would have liked to to have uh, to have had better grades and to have perf- perf- mm-hmm. um, performed a, a lot better. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I I do remember at times looking at concepts and looking at things and just not caring enough about that that mold in which i was uh the mold of you know mm-hmm. the, maybe the classroom or whatever uh, but at the same time i know the excitement that i felt when i was able to talk to someone that was you know uh, that had been doing software development for a while or to talk to my one of my professors mm-hmm. and be able to be uh, I guess on the same, uh, be on topic, not on the same level of knowledge, definitely, definitely not, but be on the same, be on the same page and be able to, to mm-hmm. have those conversations, intelligent conversations and feel as if mm-hmm. I can keep up. And I remember that feeling for me was a lot better than the feeling of getting a grade at the end of the semester. <laughs> it, it really felt good. It, it felt like I had accomplished more because um, that to me was a was proof that I wasn't failing necessarily, uh, if, if mm. that makes sense. Um, and yeah, it makes sense. I mean, if anything, I as much as I like school, grades are I I understand why they're there as they are, but I don't I don't like grades. Grades are not an accurate measurement of your performance or anything. If anything, grades are just, you know, there to tell you that you're good at taking exams. Mm-hmm. And that's just not, I don't, I don't, I don't agree with, I don't like that at all. Yeah, because yeah, if anything, it, it also serves to make people feel bad about themselves. Because people have this huge attachment, like this emotional attachment to grades and their performance and all of that. And they fail to see the bigger picture and they focus so much on, okay, got to get this grade out or something like mm-hmm. that, right? Like, oh, I got to cram all this knowledge and I'm going to spit out. Someone called it the bulimic method of studying. Mm. Oh, wow. That's, yeah. And that's then, wow. Yeah, that's pretty visceral, yeah. right? Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it, it's not helpful. And that's the thing. A lot of people do that. And I didn't, I never liked that. Yeah. And that's, because of something I watched a long time ago that just stuck with me. Like, I mean, grades are supposed to measure your skill, Mm -hmm. right? And if anything, studying is not how much information you can cram before you go and take an exam. It's how much you can learn and internalize and use, you know? Mm Yeah, And to me, whenever it comes to, to exams or stuff like that, I would be like, okay, I mean, I've been studying the entire year. I shouldn't be worried too much about this, you know? And I try not to be because in the end, what really matters is what I've been learning in the classroom. Mm. And because people were focused on the exam, they were, you know, paying attention in the classroom. Yeah, yeah. And things just swept away and, yeah, they just kind of... Bye. Yeah, I definitely feel like that. I feel like that 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 was my experience, and that that is why exams and and, and quizzes 
seemed very stressful to me. Um, it's because I, I didn't have a reservoir of knowledge to, um, to, to yeah, to, and, yeah, I didn't feel like I could trust myself. Um, and you know, with, with, the, with, with, with that knowledge also because yes, I'm, I'm taking them, I'm, I'm there sitting in class and listening to, mm-hmm. to my instructor, but instead of paying attention to the concepts and trying to learn what was being taught, I was trying to parse from what was being given, what could potentially become a question. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. the thing. That's that's not helpful because yeah. ultimately, like in an ideal world, the questions you're going to be asked, and that's also something with exams that I don't like, like the questions you're going to be asked, they have to be both practical and pushing you to think outside the box. Mm-hmm. It's not just here's a problem, solve it. Like, oh, yeah, here's I mean, for math, I guess I understand there are different types of exams, of course, for different purposes. And different classes will have that format because it's the one that fits the purpose better. Mm-hmm. But say, say programming exam, and they're asking you, say syntax as opposed to, where could you use this? You know, mm, I see, I see. Mm-hmm. So, or mm-hmm. a question of mechanics as opposed to applicability. I see, I see. Yeah, yeah. We we did with with software engineering. Um, software engineering courses that I took. Um, uh, I think that was, yeah, well, I mean, some of the programming classes uh, felt a lot, a lot more um, expensive in term, expansive in terms of allowing me to think and, yeah, and, and the concepts really pushed me uh, to understand. But I think the software development courses, they, they pushed me more because there was never a chance that you could be that you would be asked what something is you would be you you would be taught what something is at such a depth that you would be able mm-hmm. to spot it when you saw it and you would be able to spot mm-hmm. it both uh you know when it was presented to you as a potential solution to a problem but also when it was presented to you as a potential um you know as an an uh, anti-pattern to a, to a problem. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. so you, you really learned it in depth. And I remember, you know, at times someone, uh, one of the questions, um, that we were asked, were once asked from, uh, our professor was, was about designing some certain software, some fictitious software and, and someone, your client is asking you questions about, is presenting to you like this proposal of what they want. Mm-hmm. And the question in, in the exam was you as the software developer, how would you talk your client through a potential uh, implementation of their, uh, of their MV uh, for MVP uh, for your client. Mm-hmm. And so it was very okay. open ended, which allowed for uh, a lot of cre- creativity. A lot of students could, uh, could focus on different things. But that mm-hmm. really forced me to think about that conversation that I would ultimately need to have. Saying, you know, if 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 if, if I never I had to interface with a client, but I had to interface with a, a, a teammate, you know, at, at work, mm-hmm. that those conversations yeah. would still force me to think in those terms. And I think I think that really allowed me to to start thinking about 
software, uh, specifically in this case, uh, in our space, mm -hmm. software in that sense of yeah. not just the programming language you're going to use, the software stack you're going you're gonna to build your solution on top of, but to think about questions that your client or your, your teammate hasn't thought about yet. And you present those yeah. questions, you outline a path, a potential solution, and then you decide on a strategy. And sometimes that process even allows you to identify what the scope of your work is going to be, or even if there is a scope for you, for you to work in the first place. Because uh, not, oh, yeah. not all problems require software <laughs> solutions. Require some, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I got to say, this is very difficult. And I, I, I guess... I can see more of where your frustration came from because these these types of questions that you're being asked in this exam and this type of thinking came much, much later. Exactly. Yeah. And in the beginning, you are forced to learn the mechanics, the, me the, the mechanics of the basics, you know, like, oh, programming. Yeah. Like what's an assignment? What's this? What's that? And it's really hard to ask about, you know, how to extend upon that. Yeah. When you're just learning the basics and that's the thing like i say with the painting you know you gotta master the basics before you can move on to something else yeah. and for me particularly that wasn't a problem even though i guess you could tell that i don't like that that feeling of being stuck with having to do the basics and doing this and following this when i could you know build upon that and go further yeah yeah and I think what got me to not think about that too much was, well, one, patience, and two, looking ahead. Mm. I always do that. I always look ahead whenever there's, like, a program for me to follow. Mm. I look ahead and I get excited about the path ahead of me, which makes me appreciate more where I'm at at the beginning. I see. I see. Yeah. And, yeah. And I guess in some experiences, when you don't look ahead, you just feel like you're stuck. Yeah. And this is pointless. What am I doing with this? Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that will lead you into just seeing no purpose for it and showing little interest in it. Yeah. How far ahead do you do, do you look? Well, for my undergrad, I looked up for the, four, the, the full curriculum. Mm, okay. And I was like, okay, for the classes that were required that, that I didn't have a choice on, I looked at them and I tried to see what they were about, like trying to find a syllabus or just have some information about it. Okay. To the point where, okay, I have a rough idea of where this fits in and how this would help me in my career as an engineer. I was a computer engineer, for instance. And yeah, that's, I guess that's how far ahead I look. I'm pretty excited about future stuff. So I look at almost everything. I see. I see. Do you find, do you find it with, uh, with graduate school since, like deadlines, uh, graduation deadlines are more open-ended, some, somehow uh, a little bit more mm -hmm. open-ended than undergrad. Yeah. Do you find... You can imagine how difficult it is for me. <laughs> do, you, do you find that that is, that is more... Do you think that that, in your experience, does that add more to your frustration and also more to your... Uh, uh, does that get in the way of your preparation, uh, should I say? Of the work that you actually do um yeah i would say that the fact that it's somewhat open-ended and there's not a clear path for me it it is very 
it's it hinders me because mm. with undergrad i guess i had a, a clear path to follow do this this do that and you'll get there mm-hmm. you know whereas for grad school it's there are no guarantees for if you're doing research of course because you, you could always just do courses but with research, there's no guarantee that what you're doing is going to yield something very useful. Okay. It's a lot of trial and error. And it's whatever you decide to do. There's no clear path for you to follow. You got to make you got to make it up as you go. Or not as you go, but you got to make something up. Mm-hmm. You got to forge the path ahead for yourself. And this is something that I have trouble with, but you need to be sure of yourself ensure this path because mm. for me it's like i'm doing it but i'm never sure that it's the right thing to do i see and that also hinders me because like oh man I, I don't know if i'm doing this right and i find myself questioning my own abilities i see when in reality i'm perfectly capable it's just that you know either something wasn't gonna work to begin with or it just wasn't the right time so you know i gotta be mindful of that i see yeah, and that's been my experience respect what would you have done different well i would have given myself more time because whenever i was doing it i was under the naive assumption that i could do it in a year and i needed to also be more proactive about how i did things 